So this morning, have you had a good week? Everyone had a good week? I've had a good week. I've been camping. My least favourite type of holiday is camping, but my favourite type of holiday is being with friends, so I had a great week. We were with a whole group of some of our best friends, and you know those friends that you just laugh and laugh and laugh with and talk until you're eaten alive by mozzie bites and somehow it's all okay. So I've had one of those weeks. So my spirits are high even though my voice is struggling. This morning, we're finishing off, as Phil said, our Come and See series. And, and the people we're looking at this morning are not nearly as well known as Peter, who we've talked about. Not even as well known of, as Joseph of Arimathea, who I spoke about on Good Friday, who isn't even really that known. These two disciples, one of whose name is Cleopas and the other one we don't even know his name, they're not very well known. But I think we learn something about life and we certainly learn something about Jesus through their encounter with Jesus. So we're going to just look briefly at this story this morning. Before we do, movie producer Woody Allen, always a good way to start a message with a deep theologian, he, um, he gave the commencement address at Yale University a few years ago and he said this, I think it's going to come up, our civilization stands at the crossroads. Down one road is despondency and despair. Down the other road is total annihilation. I hope we take the right road. Feels a bit like that sometimes, doesn't it? Now, he was obviously trying to be funny because he's a comedian, but this statement, I think, does reflect a bit of the despair of our times. Have you ever noticed that some of our um, saddest words, if you like, in our English language begin with the letter D? Think about them for a moment. Disappointment, doubt, disillusionment, defeat, discouragement, despondency, depression, despair, death. Depressing words to start a message with. I know you're all looking like suddenly sad. But all these words sum up how so many people feel today. But you know what? They also sum up how Cleopas and his companion were feeling on this day that we're looking at as they trudged the road to Emmaus. They were followers of Jesus. They, they, they'd followed him and seen what he'd done, but they were downhearted and confused. And they left the band of disciples and, and they left Jerusalem and they made their way to Emmaus. They were afraid. They were bewildered at what had happened to Jesus on Good Friday. And in this story, we see a number of things that I want us to notice this morning. I'm just going to highlight a few things. I want us to see... First and foremost, we can't really even miss, overwhelmingly what we see is a loss of hope. A loss of hope. This master who they'd loved and they'd followed closely had been put to death. Only a week before, their hopes had been super high. We, really, we are looking two weeks later, but really from this day a week earlier was when we celebrated Palm Sunday and, and they witnessed people with palm leaves and singing Hosanna, acknowledging Jesus as some type of saviour. Their hopes were high. And yet here, a week later, their hopes had been dashed. The dream was over. Even the report of the women just confused them and bewildered them more. It didn't seem to infuse any more hope. And they summed it up nicely. We'll jump quickly to verse 21 and then we'll go back. They summed it up nicely how they were feeling. Not nicely, but maybe neatly. We had hoped that he would be the one who was going to set Israel free. The message says, we had had our hopes up that he was the one. We had our hopes up. We had hoped. Hope was gone. Some of they had experienced, but now they struggled. You know, human hope is quite fragile. When it withers, 
it's hard to revive hope. Too many people I know have taken their own life because despair and discouragement and defeat, disillusionment has sucked the last bit of life or last bit of hope, sorry, out of their lives and they've given up. Maybe you've experienced this sort of feeling when someone you love is struggling, overtaken by a serious illness and you've hoped for so long but there's come a point where you've lost that hope. You feel despair. Maybe you've even been afraid to hope for anything because you can't cope with another letdown. We had hoped, Cleopas and his friend had said. We did once expect that something would get better with our world, but actually now those hopes have gone and all we're feeling is discouragement. Let's start at the beginning of this passage, 13 to 16, verses 13 to 16. Now the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus came and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. We don't understand why they were kept from recognizing him, what that really meant. Maybe grief or disappointment was in their eyes. Maybe Jesus had disguised himself. He didn't want himself to be known at that time. We don't know. But we do know that their hope in Jesus had been dashed and their expectations had been left unmet. They were probably a bit unsure about putting faith in him, even if they had seen him up front. Sure, there were some people saying that Jesus was alive again, but for them, they hadn't seen him. So on they walked, telling this stranger about their problems, about their despair, never never suspecting who he was. Surely every one of us at some stage have walked some type of Emmaus road. Disappointment for expectations which have gone unmet. It's the road perhaps that you walk on when you don't make the team. The road you walk on when you haven't met the one and time is getting along. That road that you walk when your loved one has died and you just don't know what to live for. That that feeling, that, that road that you walk when you lose another job or you're turned down for another job. God just doesn't seem close anymore. And no matter what you do, you can't seem to get that spark back. Can you identify with some of those feelings? The strangers asked... Or sorry, the stranger asked these guys, what, what were you discussing? And so they poured out their story to someone who seemed willing to listen. It's quite amazing, isn't it? I'm not sure I would have been quite so keen to chat to a stranger. But they tell the stranger about their hopes, about their disappointments. The last thing they needed was a brisk cheer up talk or you'll be right, snap out of it. The stranger simply provided a listening ear. And I love this picture of Jesus, And it's the second thing I want us to notice in this story, this listening ear of Jesus. What a beautiful picture. Verses 17 to 19. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? What things, he asked. It's an interesting picture, isn't it? Jesus walking along the road with these despondent, confused followers of his sharing their trouble. And I think when I think about this picture, this 2,000-year-old story suddenly is brought into the present for me. 
when, when these, these words, disappointment, doubt, dis- disillusionment, defeat, discouragement, de- despondency, depression, despair, when, when they fill our lives, Jesus does walk alongside us. He listens to us. And if we're willing to hear his voice, he will reveal himself to us. And take a look at how good Jesus is at, at, at listening, at asking those open questions. Who's ever done like some some workshops or coaching or whatever about listening I last year I've done so many in my life I can't even count but last year at the ICO we had a particular um, coach come in and she was teaching us about listening and we had to sit for 10 minutes and listen to someone's story and we couldn't say anything more than what next and or anything else so literally we just had to say these things to try to get them to say more and more of their story what next and anything else and after a while I wanted to ask specific questions I wanted to get into the nitty-gritty and it was very hard just to limit myself to these questions but that's how you apparently listen good now you're probably going to tell me I don't do that to you so I'm a bad listener but I'm trying but look at the questions Jesus asked what are you discussing what's going on for you and even later on what things tell us more tell me more what next great questions that Jesus asked you know, someone once said, being, so cl- oh, sorry, being listened to is so close to being loved that sometimes your brain can't tell the difference. If you're not sure how to love someone, maybe just start by listening. Jesus is there with these guys. He's there beside us today. He loves us and in a way that he stops and listens to everything that was going on. Jesus had the answer these guys needed. Jesus could have just revealed himself and tried to fix it all. But he walked by them and he listened. How meaningful is that? We're not called to do this life alone. We're called to do it together with one another, spurring each other on, encouraging one another, hearing each other's stories. Hebrews 10, 24, some of my favorite um, verses of scripture says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. If you're stuck for how to encourage someone, why not just ask them a few questions and take time to listen? And be around people that will do that for you as well. Encourage and be encouraged. Listen to and be listened to. But it doesn't stop with us. This stranger didn't just stop by listening. What did he do next? Anyone, what did he do next? Open scripture, thank you. He reminded them of scripture and it's so important because we don't have the answers. Jesus had the answers, but in that form, he was a stranger. He wasn't going to start acting like he had you know, the answers. He points them to scripture about who he was, about what they already knew. As Cleopas and his friend talked about the cross, their bewilderment and sorrow, Jesus reassured them not by just saying the answer, but by reminding them what the Bible says. Luke 24, um, 26 to 27 says, Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Oh, these guys must have had the best Old Testament lesson ever. It wasn't that they hadn't read their Bibles. They'd read their Bibles. They knew what was supposed to be. Just like many of us have read our Bibles, we know the promises in theory in words 
but their understanding had been clouded because they thought the Messiah would come in glory and power and rain down fire on their enemies and that he would deliver them instantly. That's what they were expecting. So they'd read the Bible in their perspective from their circumstance. And what Jesus does is he just removes the clouds from their eyes. This two-hour walk to Emmaus, this seven-mile walk, must have gone in just a few moments. Have you ever done that, had a walk with a good friend, and what was hours actually seemed like minutes because you were so deep in conversation, learning so much? Well, I reckon that's how it was this day. And the Bible tells us that their despondency, their sorrow is lifted, and it changes to understanding and hope as a stranger explained that death was part of God's plan for salvation. It wasn't in vain. You know, when these words, when these words which are feelings, which are very real things, disillusionment, depression, defeat, when, when these sort of things dominate our lives, we can be assured that Jesus is walking with us. He's there to help us understand Scripture. He's there to point us to God's Word, His promises for us, and to remind us that we're His children, that we're loved, that He has a way. That's the way our despair is turned into hope, when Jesus enlivens his word to us. The last thing I, that we notice, the last interesting thing that happens to me, not the last, but one of the things that happens, is that the fact that they eat together. You would know that I love to eat. I've shared about that many, many times. We did a whole sermon series, seven or eight weeks on Jesus eating with people a year or two ago because it's so meaningful to me, eating, not just the food element, but, you know, the, the experience of eating with people. Have a look what, what happened, 28 to 30. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. The two disciples asked the stranger to stop with them for the night. And at the evening meal, it's a process of sitting and eating with Jesus. It wasn't this special ceremony that sometimes we've made it. But in that whole process of sharing fellowship with Jesus, he reveals who he is by breaking the bread and giving it to them. It dawns on him or dawns on them who he was. It was their master who'd been raised from the dead. Now they knew why a change had already happened. Do you get that? Even before Jesus experienced, Jesus was revealed, they'd experienced this difference just being with him. It had said, wasn't it like, they're reflecting back now, wasn't it like a fire burning in us when he talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? We could feel in that moment, even before we knew it was Jesus, we could feel our despair lifting. We could feel our despondency turning to hope. Their world had come together. They'd experienced something of the grace of God. He'd cleared away the fog of confusion. He'd showed them the heart of God and his plan for them and for the whole world. You know, I think this road to Emmaus as we often refer to it, is a bit of a symbol of the Christian life. It certainly is of mine. It's a story about ordinary despair. Like, fair enough, they were feeling pretty down that day. Maybe it's their Monday morning drudgery. Maybe that's what we experience it like. Not quite feeling like you have hope for another great week. But it's also a story about meeting a stranger, hearing his words of comfort, sitting down at a table, sharing a meal, being encouraged, in 2019, I think it's a story about everyday life. When we walk, 
currently, and if not currently, in the future, I'm sure we will walk with disappointment, with doubt, with discouragement, with despair. We remember that we don't walk alone. It can be if we see Jesus or if we allow ourselves to engage in that moment, it can be a road of companionship, of conversation, of belief, of hope. You know, something I find most interesting about this story that relates to my life as I was reading it last week. A lot of times we don't know that Jesus is walking with us in the moment of despair and despondency of defeat. A lot of the times we don't see it there at the time. But when we look back, when we consider afterwards, these guys, they shared a meal, not even knowing who Jesus was. And it wasn't until he breaks the bread, reveals himself to them, that they think, we've seen this before. I remember. Isn't that the way it always is with us? Upon reflection, looking back, we're like, Jesus was there. He told me this. He was on my journey. Look at how he spoke when I was feeling unheard. Look at how he provided when I was feeling like I was in need. Look at how he encouraged when I was feeling discouraged. We sometimes only can see Jesus on our road in retrospect, right? Jesus is there. I'm going to end this morning just with a couple of real practical takeaways, things that we can do. Because you know what? The revelation comes from Jesus. I want to be clear about that this morning. I hope you see that in the story. Jesus revealed himself to them when it was his time to reveal himself to them. And he will to us as well. We can pray, we can seek, but ultimately Jesus is the one that reveals himself to us. We seek, but we find because he chooses to give himself to us. But I think there's some things that we can do to cultivate, if you like, to prepare the way for an encounter with Jesus, to be more aware of that. And I think the first thing we can do is we can welcome strangers. We're told in the Bible that when we welcome strangers, we welcome Jesus. These guys were welcoming this stranger. They invited him into their conversation and shared openly and honestly. What would have happened if these two discouraged disciples thought, oh, I'm not in the mood for a stranger today. I'm not in the mood to share with someone today. They wouldn't have experienced what they experienced on that road. Are we welcoming to strangers? We're looking out for the new person in our school, in our workplace, who comes into the church. Are we aware of what's going on around us to welcome those who need welcoming? Opening our lives up a little bit, sharing our life, asking questions as well as answering questions. Welcome strangers. Secondly, I want to encourage us this morning, and maybe I almost end every message like this, is to open your Bible. <laughs> You know, I think um, a lot of, for a lot of people, the, the Bible's become the last place they look for the presence of God. It seems old school. It's a hard book. P- part of it seems very outdated and oppressive even. It gets used incorrectly and in heavy-handed ways, but it's still the Word of God. It's living and it's life-giving, and Jesus reveals himself to us through it. He reveals the plan. He reminds us of what he's already promised us. If the Bible's not working for you, flip a few pages and read another part. Join a life group and read it with other people. Don't give up. The Bible is the way that God reveals who he is to us. And finally, I want to encourage you this morning to share communion. Sharing communion is just sharing fellowship. 
Jesus became known to these, these followers of his in the breaking of the bread, in the sharing of himself over a meal, in the stopping and the sitting and the taking the time to fellowship. I love the Salvation Army statement about the sacrament of communion. Um, and it emphasises that communion is about fellowship. And last weekend, those of you who were here would have shared with us in, in taking some juice and some bread and remembering who Jesus was together in deep fellowship. And that's one way to, to witness, to remember, to commune with one another. But it's broader than that. The Salvation Army statement says this, that we rejoice in our freedom to celebrate Christ's real presence at all meals and in all meetings. It's not just for like 10 minutes once a month or every week, but every single meal can be an opportunity to share with one another with the presence of Jesus. And it says the army sometimes practices the love love feast, placing significance on the simple meals that Jesus shared with his friends and shared by the early church and remembering Jesus' sacrificial love. Maybe this week you need to invite someone over for dinner, someone out for coffee, someone to spend time communing at a table, reflecting together the presence of Jesus in your life and the difference that an encounter with him makes. We're going to sing a song now about the beautiful the wonderful, the powerful name of Jesus. And as we sing, the invitation, as always, is there just to sit, maybe to come and to kneel, to bask in the presence of Jesus and to ask Him to comfort you. Maybe if you're feeling discouraged this morning, you need to ask Him for encouragement. If you're feeling despair, ask Him for hope. If you're feeling despondent, ask Him for for joy and for life. Jesus is journeying with us regardless of how we feel today. Take the time to meet with him in these moments as we sing.